for coming to church and uh, being here, not watching another game. Is there a game? Something? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, anyone interested? We we're going to hang around and see what happens. And uh, not that Queensland really cares. There's no Queensland teams in this year, so not a big deal. But um, we're going to continue on tonight with our series on um, anatomy, understanding the church as a body. And uh, we read there Romans chapter 12, um, but if I could have you also turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And again, we'll be turning quite a, uh, quite a bit in our, in our Bibles tonight, so have that ready. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and then um, we're going to look at today, we're, we've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, we started last week just looking at the specific parts of the body, and we recognized again that Christ is the head of the body. And understand that we need to be connected and we need to be submitted. And uh, I think that as we focus in on aligning ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ, that he's really the one that's going to get us and, and, and direct us in the right uh, path, the right practice. But we're going to continue on and look at the different, um, different parts here. And we're going to look at, start, starting this week, the offices, okay, the offices of the church and Tonight we're going to start with the pastor, and so tonight it's really um, all about me, a little bit, but it's also uh, informative, obviously, as we uh, open the Word of God of of His expectation of the pastor. Because I think sometimes we can we can have a we can buy into what we expect of the different parts of the body, but we've also got to realize that we've got to line up with what the Scripture has to say. And so it's going to be a little bit of a vulnerable position that I'm in, really. Because it's not just about, it's not really my expectation of the past. It's all of that can come and go. It's, it's, it's God's expectation of me as I take the office. Um, and, uh, you know, just quickly mention before we go, please just continue to pray for Brother Shemish and the flood situation there in Nakonsawan and um, I know that, uh, that they're just praying that God protects the, the, um, the property there. And so just pray for them throughout the day, uh, throughout the evening and throughout the week. And we'll give you updates as we, we get them as well. But, you know, tonight, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people will say that there's really no such thing as organized church. They'll sort of say that, you know, you could just have church any which way you want. And you could just, you know, go through and, and have, the, have the ordinances and have any kind of Christian service without real organization. But... When you consider the fact that, again, the, the picture and the type of the church is, a, is, is illustrated by the body, you understand that the body has to be organized a certain way. And we see that really, and one of the strongest indications of that in Scripture is really the, the fact that, that God has included officers as, as, as part of the body. You know, these, these officers, we're going to start tonight with the the pastor, and then, Lord willing, next week we'll look at the, the deacon and then also then continue on with the membership. Um, each, each part of the body plays a very specific part, but there's some parts of the body that are, are pivotal for the whole body to function. You know, there's, um, there's certain parts of the body you can afford to lose, but there's certain parts when you go into the emergency ward and you tell them that, you know, you're, you're feeling a heaviness on your chest or... You've got a, you've got a, you know, you've got a, um, got an injury with your head. They triage you and they, 
they make sure that you come up the, the line and you're, you've got given priority. Why? Because they understand that there's certain parts of the body that are much more critical. And, and we're going to look at those, uh, the first one here tonight, and as I mentioned, it's the office of the pastor. And I still remember growing up, you know, just, just again, the, for me personally, the benefit of godly pastors in my life. Uh, I think about, you know, our history here as a church and all those that have come before me who have invested in this place, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the fact that God designed it that way and He calls people to that office. And, you know, I just remember thinking about the, the, the heaviness of that. And it was actually on our, our, on our return flight from Rockhampton around probably where, where Brisbane is at, where Pastor Tom Gondeman, he was we were flying back from conference there, and he leaned over and he said, hey, what do you think about being the next pastor of, of Southland Baptist Church? And I remember looking at him and he goes, do you think you're ready? And I remember looking at him and, and the, not knowing what to say, but then also sensing just the, the heaviness and the, the call of that office. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, and then I was the pastor of Southland Baptist Church, and I remember sitting in, in the office and, you know, sitting there and, and getting a phone call. I think I've told you the story maybe, but getting a phone call and then immediately listening about the need. And then my initial re response was to call the pastor, not reali then realizing I was the pastor. <laughs> I couldn't ask someone else. I had to take care of it. And then, you know, again, fast forward a couple of years to this time, and now I'm here, and, and I'll just tell you what, just a, it's a special thing, but it's, it's a great responsibility. And I want to tell you, it's not something that we ought to just take lightly. You know, the office of the pastor, again, can sometimes be, be misunderstood, but the, the pastor, if you think about it, isn't apart from the body. He is within the body. You know, sometimes we can have the misconception that somehow the pastor is, is aside from the body and the body can, you know, sort of, sort of function and then the, the pastor is sort of left to himself there. But actually, he's part of the body. I'm part of this, this church body. I just play a specific part. I just have an office that God has ordained and chosen and designed and laid out in Scripture. But I'm not to be apart from the body. I'm within the body. And, you know, as the pastor, I'm to be the communicator of the head's directives. You know, as I mentioned last week, I'm not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And as much as you, and I call you to submission to Christ, I must be submitted to Christ. And I've got to follow his directives. And I've got to communicate that and not my own. One of the things that, that a pastor needs to avoid is to be self-willed. You know, I'm not to be the head myself. The Bible calls me to be one that just communicates the head's directives and then also be an under-shepherd under the great shepherd. And we can see a couple of things this uh, evening, and we're going to turn, and again, same deal. If you follow along quickly, we'll finish quickly, all right? But First Timothy chapter 3, and here we're going to see a couple of things about the qualities of the pastor, and in really a summary of what qualifies um, someone to be in the, in the body to fulfill this office. So verse 1, notice there, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this is a true saying, 
If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And in a little while, we're going to look at the different titles that still, in, uh, again, indicates and reinforces the, that office and what it means. He says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall in the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, and we see a similar list here. And, uh, you know, first, second Timothy and Titus, we call them the pastoral epistles. If we have anyone here who feels like they're called to the ministry or called to be a pastor, that's just a good place for you to start and study. But Titus chapter 1 and verses 5 to 9, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. And notice this, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So there's another title given. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop, notice there the titles are used interchangeably, must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So we see here a summary, really, of all of the, the qualifications, what qualifies a part of the body to be uh, taking on the office of a pastor. And I'm just going to quickly just go through these and not really pause and, and explain too deeply what each means. We may do that if we go into the book of 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy or Titus at a later date as we go verse by verse. But uh, we see, firstly, he must desire the office. Right, right there, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. He must desire the office, meaning this, he's got to be called and he's got to be surrendered to it. All right, and, and again, we were, we were at uh, National Baptist Fellowship and part of the discussion amongst the pastors was, you know, who's coming up? You know, where are the young, young men coming up to fulfill some of the vacant offices in the land, some of the churches in the land, and we were just praying about that and seeking that. But, you know, we can't just manufacture someone with it. We can't just go, hey, you be a pastor. No, you seem to fit the bill. Listen, it's got to be a calling. It's got to be someone that is surrendered to that calling. He's got to have a willingness to fulfill that office. Notice then that simply he's got to be a man. All right, and we've got to mention that in our day and age because the reality is we see even in Christendom just the looseness in doctrine that some churches have taken that position that, that women can be ordained into the, this office. No, he's got to be a man. All right, but can I remind you, he is a man. He, he's just a man that's been given a special calling and a, a calling under God. And so then he must be blameless. That just means without reproach. He must be a husband of one wife. That means he's married and faithful to that wife. He must be vigilant 
That means watchful, cautious in his manner. He must be sober, which means serious-minded. He must be of good behavior. You know what that is? It's orderliness. There's got to be an orderliness in his life. He must be given to hospitality. You know, that's someone who's a, uh, someone who, who will meet a need, who's a lover of strangers and those in need. He must be apt to teach. He, he's got to have an ability and a love for teaching God's Word. And we'll see that in a little while as we examine the titles given him. Okay, he must not be given to wine. He must not be a striker. You know what that means? He must not be quarrelsome. Okay, argumentative. He must not be greedy for filthy lucre, money. Um, you know, some, someone once, once said, you know, you're, you're only a pastor to be in it for the money. And I go, oh, listen, listen, you've got the wrong impression, all right? And, and understand, listen, you know, the sacrifice is given and, and, and pastors who are in it for that, boy, there's a great, there's a great accountability there. He must, not, he must be patient. Okay, that means reasonable or gentle. He must not be a brawler. Again, contentious. He must, he must not be covetous. Okay, he must rule his own house well. That means his wife and his children must be in submission. And can I just take a time out here and say that the pastor's wife is not an office. She is to be my wife. Now, praise God, if she comes along and she's, She's willing to serve in whatever capacity. That's, that's part of faithfulness, right? And I'm glad for my wife. You just heard her sing. She sings beautifully. It's unto the Lord. But you know, I didn't coerce her to do that tonight. She did that willingly. But I'm saying that there's, sometimes there's an undue pressure on a pastor's wife to perform an office that isn't biblical. Okay, she's not my assistant pastor. Right? In fact, she's not my co-pastor. Um, sometimes, sometimes I wish she was. She's very organized. <laughs> right? And if some good ideas come out of me, it probably was from her. We work together. That's what a husband and wife does. But she's not my co-pastor. She doesn't fulfill an office. She fulfills, she fulfills that help that is fitting for me. Right? He must not be a novice, that means an immature Christian. He, he must maintain a good testimony to them, towards them who are without Christ. You know what that is? It's a good public testimony. Right? So if there's anything that, that, uh, that is, uh, is a hindrance to his public testimony, then he can't be considered for that office. He's ruled himself out. And so we look at all of that and we understand that's, there's a lot of things there that if we were to dig into them tonight and we took the time, there's a lot of things there that we've got to consider when appointing someone to that office. And, and I'm just going to say that, you know, the church should be the breeding ground for pastors. It's got to be the church. We're not going to look out in the world for, for someone who's got leadership qualifications. No, we're going to find them in the church. And, and this needs to be, you know, our mentality as a church, ought to be that we're raising other pastors. And that's a prayer of mine. And I'll tell you, because I was a product of a local New Testament church. I'm a product of that. I'll tell you, it works if you just get along and you just have that mentality and, 
And I'm here today because others have invested and others have put this in me. And so we ought to have that mentality, but those are the qualifications. And what does that tell us really about what, what God thinks about that office? He holds it with high regard. It ought not to be something that we just sort of uh, throw around and, 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 and uh, sort of uh, ha- have this, this casual approach to we understand the high and holy calling that it is. And, and again, I, I mentioned that tonight with a, a great fear in my own heart. And, and it's a responsibility that I must hold up to. And we can, we can examine the office through all of those qualities and qualifications, but we can also examine this office, as I mentioned, through the titles that the Bible has for him. Okay, so this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop. You notice that word bishop. Now, we don't normally use that in our circles, Okay, so I don't expect you to call me bishop, all right? Please don't. It's awkward. But it is a biblical term. And, and that word bishop simply means an overseer, okay? A, a spiritual superintendent, someone who is a, to, to rule and direct, okay? He is to oversee the work of God, give direction and guidance, all right? He's to lead. In 1 Peter 2.25, for we, ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You know who that's referring to? It's referring to Christ. But notice again those two words, as shepherd and bishop, pastor just means shepherd. And those two things are, are interchangeable there. But understand that, that part of my role as the pastor of, the, of this church is to oversee the work of the ministry. You know, as, as we uh, go, go on this journey together, we're probably going to try to organize the church and try to make sure that our ministries are, 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 um, are directed and, and purposeful and, uh, and, and we're all together in the work that we're doing. But God puts the mandate for me to oversee the work. And it's, He's given me that. And it's, it's to be a bishop, an overseer. But then notice the other one. We read it in in, uh, in Titus chapter 1, the other title for him is elder. Again, this is often used interchangeably with the word bishop. There's some examples of it in Acts chapter 20. We read that there in Titus chapter 1 where both bishop and elder is mentioned in the same breath. A bishop really is referring to his responsibility, whilst elder refers mainly to his spiritual maturity. Now again, please don't call me elder. All right, and we know that that's got a different connotation, but it is a Bible word. All right, so it, in Acts fourteen twenty three, okay, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord, on whom they believed. That, that word elder, it's a name frequently used in the Old Testament, really denoting a person clothed with authority, and entitled to respect. And often what happened in the, in the early church was uh, some, some usage of the word, uh, some words were redefined to fit uh, a current usage. And the word elder was borrowed from that Old Testament usage of elder, someone clothed with authority and entitled to respect, to really refer to the pastors. And it was also this term used for pastors that, and gave the office its sense of ruling or governing 
It was a position of authority. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. And keep a finger there, we'll come back to this in a little while as well. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who, also, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partake of the glory that shall be revealed. Notice this, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight. So he's referring to elders, but the functions, we're going to see, feed the flock, that's the shepherd, taking the oversight, that's the bishop thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So notice he's saying you are to be, uh, you are to be examples to the flock there, but he's using the word again, elders, to begin with. Um, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Okay, verse 1, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Skip down, verse 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So all of these, it's, it's speaking in that, that sense, that title, uh, one of clothed with authority, one who is worthy of respect. And there ought to be a mindset in, in amongst us, and, and it's not just about me, it's about understanding what God's design is. We're not lifting up man here. We're holding the office in high regard. And that, that respect that comes out of it, why? Because of the specific role that the pastor has to fulfill. And it is, it's a, it's a heavy office. Again, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I remember sitting there my first day ever pastoring as a, as a senior pastor of a church, and it just dawned on me just the burden that I now had to carry. I often... You know, I would hear um, previous pastors say, oh, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. And I never understood that really. I, I used to listen to that and go, yeah, I know Sunday's coming. It's a day of the week, you know. But when I, I, I sat in that seat and I entered into that office, the burden of Sunday is coming, it rang true. You know, I think we have a society that sometimes disparages leadership. You know, often, and I know people say it jokingly, I'd love to be a pastor. Who wouldn't want to work one day a week, you know? And, and sometimes that, that mentality carries, you know, with it a, a sense of cynicism. People are a bit cynical. But actually, scripturally, we understand the, the, the calling and the heaviness of the office. But then I think the one that we're familiar with is the title pastor. Okay, a pastor is simply a shepherd. Okay, one that has the care of the flocks and the herds. Look at Acts chapter 20. Look at Acts chapter 20 tonight. Again, probably not much new tonight to you, but it's just good to just rehash. It's good to realign. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. It's Paul just giving the warning to those who he's left, the referenced earlier about those elders that they had ordained in every church, and now he's speaking to them. He's saying, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. So notice again, all of those titles really interchangeably, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. 
For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So he's saying there to them, feed. Saying, protect. He's saying, just watch out. And, and, and he's using himself as an example of someone who warns, not ceasing every night, night and day with tears even. And he's saying there, be a shepherd, be a pastor. Notice the, the word used here in Ephesians chapter 4. Go back to Ephesians, now go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and notice verses 11 and 12. And then we'll go back to 1 Peter, but Ephesians chapter 4, notice here. So he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. That, that, that's one word, pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Saying it's just that office there of pastors and teachers. He's given, he's given that as a gift to the church to feed the church, to, to perfect the saints. That means to mature them for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's to build you up. And that's why it's always a difficult time when churches go through and they're without a pastor. Because God meant for the body to have that specific, uh, specific office and role in, in the body. And, and, you know, I, again, my mind is cast to different places. Obviously, as I think about it, we, would we pray for Southland Baptist Church? Would we pray for other churches around our nation that are looking for a pastor? Because as much as it's, it's okay and they'll, they'll continue on until God appoints one, it is difficult. And I'll tell you that from experience because when I was, you know, around 20 we lost the pastor for a while. We, then before that, when I was 12, for 10 months, Southland Baptist Church, Bethany Baptist Church back then, for 10 months we didn't have a pastor. It was hard. It was difficult. Even as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I felt it. And not that the, the, not that the man is special in any way. He's just a man. But it's just the way the body's meant to function. And, and the pastor is given as a gift to the church. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we see how he is to pastor. We read it earlier, but verse 3, he says, Feed the flock of God in verse 2. Then he says in verse 3, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. You know, he's not just to be a shepherd in the way that he leads and in the way that he is to to as a bishop and as an elder to show authority and to um, and to rule in that way, he is to be a pastor firstly by example, and that's that's heavy. I'm mindful of that. I'm mindful of the fact that I'm meant to be an example that God's called me to the flock, and, and you know there's there's times where it's going to be a weariness to me. To come, to prepare to preach, to come on a Sunday night, you know, to, to come on a Wednesday night. But you know what? I'm going to come. Why? Because I can't ask you to come and be there if, if I'm not willing myself. 
I can't ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I can't tell you to open your Bible and read it throughout the week if I'm not willing to do that. I can't ask you like I did this morning to show acceptance and hospitality and so forth if I'm not willing to do that. Why? I'm not just meant to lead like the world leads, like lordship over, the, uh, over those that are uh, following. No. I'm meant to lead by example. I'm meant to be beside you as much as I'm in front of you. To lead by example. We've already touched on it, but he's to be a shepherd by feeding. Right, Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Again, in Ephesians chapter 4.11, he is to be pastor and teacher. That's his feeding function. When, when the Lord Jesus uh, sat there at the shores of, uh, of the Sea of Galilee with, with Peter, he told Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, I, I do love thee. He said, feed. You know how I'm meant to show my love for Christ? Is that I'm meant to fulfill this function of feeding you the Word of God. And that's a joy. There's a lot of work in that. There's a lot of times where I agonize over what I'm meant to say this coming Sunday. There's a lot of times where I'm thinking about the the needs of the church and whether I should address this or address that. And I've got to seek the Lord in His Word and in His leading. But come Sunday, I've got to feed you. Come Sunday, I'm meant to open the Word of God and you're meant to come away somewhat satisfied. And there's a, there's a great responsibility there. But he, as a pastor, I'm meant to lead by example. I'm meant to be the pastor by feeding, but also by protecting. You know, you, you think about John 10, 12. He says, He that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming. And leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. You know, we read earlier in Acts chapter 20 about Paul's warning that grievous wolves will enter in. And, and you know, my, part of my role is I'm meant to protect you. I'm meant to protect you from error. I'm meant to protect you from those that will come in and, 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 and slaughter you spiritually. You know, sometimes... You know, sometimes we can say things like, Look, hey, Pastor, I just want to be around you. I want to protect you. Hey, listen, that's my job. I'm meant to protect you. Okay? I'm meant to put myself on the line at times. I'm meant to put myself out there even when it's not popular to say things to you that will protect you and your family. And, and again, I'm mindful of the pressure of that. I'm mindful of the fact that, that I am to be uh, over you in watch care and you know, I, I think about David. You know, David probably, aside from the Lord Jesus, who's the good shepherd, probably the, the best example of a shepherd we can see in the Bible. And, and, you know, you think about all of the things that David did, he, you know, when he was, went to the battle and Saul was asking him, you know, can you do this? He recounted some things that he did. He, he protected the sheep. And, you know, David could have said, oh, you know, it was so hard and it was... But listen, his heart and his mind was for the sheep to protect them. He went through, he, he, got, he was skilled up to be able to use that sling, to be able to then protect the sheep. He had, we see in Psalm 23, the rod and the staff. He equipped himself to be able to protect. And David, the shepherd boy, protected his sheep from harm, and, and so a pastor is supposed to protect his flock. But then also, he's to be a pastor by not only protecting, but by guiding. 
We read it earlier, 1 Peter 2.25, you are sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. But the sheep can sometimes go astray, and sometimes we just need a word of guidance. Matthew 9.36, Jesus saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And a flock needs guiding. But then really, by His presence. You know, a shepherd is only a shepherd because he's amongst sheep. He's amongst the flock. A shepherd can't be a shepherd if he's never with the flock. You know, I think about Paul's heart. He says, cease not to warn you night and day. I can't, I can't help but imagine the, the shepherd alone out there in the field, mindful that there's the flock out there with danger, with predators waiting, and the flock needing the shepherd to stay awake. That, that's what God's called me to do for you. I think about it, and I'm still getting to know you. I'm still, I'm still getting to know your, your needs and your heartaches, your pain, the, the things that you're struggling with. But I'll tell you, I'm, I'm willing to do it. Why? Because I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be your pastor. And we'll go along, and we'll, there's going to be times where we might have difficult conversations there's going to be times where I'm going to just tell you something from a warning point of view, but I'll just tell you it's out of a heart of love for you. But I can't know that if I'm not around you. And we've got to, we've got to understand that, that, that a shepherd can't be a shepherd without his sheep. right? You can't self-appoint. And we, we see that all over Scripture. But he, you, we see that even though the shepherd seeking out the one, not just the multitude, Understanding every, every individual sheep that he has in the flock. And so we see all of these titles lend themselves to the, the overall picture of the pastor and the office in the church. But, you know, he's got these overall responsibilities. And again, I'm going to go through these quickly because I want to get to this last point I want to make. But, you know, my overall responsibilities are meant to administer the ordinances. Right? The, the Lord's table, baptism. I'm to be a man of prayer. One of the things that I'm mindful of is that I would pray for you. I'm supposed to warn the flock. I'm supposed to study the Word of God. I'm supposed to preach the Word. I'm supposed to exhort and rebuke. Uh, I'm supposed to feed and lead the flock. I'm supposed to be an example of over, uh, to all. But you know, I'm supposed to watch over your souls. Have you thought about that? That's That's... That's an amazing thought that God would have someone to do. You know, we often think about that as in, I watch over your souls. But you know, I just have to remind myself, I'm part of the flock. You know, who's, who's first I'm meant to watch? Whose soul I'm meant to watch? My own. I'm meant to watch my soul. I'm meant to guard my own heart. I'm meant to guard myself from me. Because I can be carnal too. I've still got this flesh. I've still got some, I've still got pride. I can't let this old nature rise up. I can't walk after the flesh. I must walk after the spirit. And I've got to watch for my soul, you know, all over the world. 
those pastors who kept watching over the flock, they forgot to watch their own soul. And sadly, they've gone and they've shipwrecked. And I, I don't rejoice in that, not at all. It grieves me. I, I don't rejoice at it at all. I, I don't see that and, oh, I knew that coming. Listen, I better watch myself first. And, and, and I've got that responsibility to watch over my own soul. But certainly over the flock. And so with all of that, I know it was, it was pretty quick tonight. I want to ask you this. Would you pray for me? I'm going to pray for you, but would you pray for me? You see, the Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, short verse, Brethren, pray for us. And I'm just going to ask you, brethren, pray for me. Here's a couple of ways and things scripturally that you need to pray for me. 2 Thessalonians 3.1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Can you please pray that I would have liberty to study and preach God's word? You know, there's nothing more frustrating for a shepherd who's meant to feed when he just, he's struggling to, to study and preach. And you know what? It, can I just say, it's a spiritual warfare. It's not just that, you know, not just that we come in and we just find a message. Listen, it's spiritual. So can you pray for me that I would have liberty to study and preach God's Word? I'll tell you my schedule because I want you to know. Okay, Sundays, I usually work through the afternoon. I'm usually in my office and I start to begin about studying next week. Monday is a, a full study day. Tuesday is a full study day. And then Wednesday morning to lunchtime is a full study period. And then I'm usually done by, by Wednesday lunchtime, Wednesday afternoon at the latest. Could, you, could I just ask you to start praying for me from, from after the morning service, that God would give me the message, that God would give me the liberty to study, that God would illuminate my mind, because that's part of my function. And, and if you pray for me that way, I can help you that way. Right? So please pray for me to have liberty to study and preach God's word. Pray that I can be a blessing in the work and service of the church. Look at Romans chapter 15. Look at Romans 15. We'll turn to a, a few more scriptures. And Romans 15. And notice verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So notice that he's saying, please strive in prayer, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem, notice this, may be accepted of the saints that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. He's saying, as I minister, would you pray that, that my work would be accepted? And so please, please pray that, that I can be a blessing in the work and service of the church. You know, this week I was just encouraged, as, uh, as uh, Paul mentioned, as we preached over at, in Toowoomba, that I, I received some text messages, some, some people spread the news, hey, Pray for pastors, he's preaching this morning, he's preaching tomorrow. That just was an encouragement to me. And if you did pray, you know, the, whatever the Lord did in hearts, that's, that's fruit to your account. But please pray that I can be a blessing in the work and service of the church. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to be a help to you. Pray then that I'd be effective and fruitful in the proclamation of the gospel. Hey, listen, I'm called to the gospel ministry. All right, the, the Bible says, make full proof. 
of your ministry through the work of an evangelist. And so actually, I'm meant to be fruitful. You know, it, it ought to bother me when it's been a while since I've led someone to Christ. But I'd ask for you to please pray for me about that. You know, from time to time, there might be people that I'm working with that I'm going to ask for you to pray specifically for them. But if not, just pray. In Ephesians 6, 19 to 20, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Just pray that I would have be effective and fruitful in the proclamation of the gospel. Hebrews 13, 18, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Here's another thing. Please pray that I would have a good conscience and live honestly. Again, I'm just a man. Pray. We're at spiritual warfare. And pray that I would have a good conscience and live honestly. We read it earlier, but in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, but then 3, 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not the faith. We read it there in, in, in Romans 15. says that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. Here's what I want to ask you to please pray for me about. Pray that I would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. There are those out to get the pastor. And it's not about me because if you smite the shepherd, you'll scatter the sheep. You know, those lions and bears didn't come to attack David for David. They were after the sheep. So pray. Pray. Pray as I'm out and, and about just that, you know, I would be delivered from those that would seek to destroy. Delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. We won't take the time but to turn there, but write these down. Philippians 1, 19 and 20. 2 Corinthians 1, 10 and 11. The gist of it is this. Pray that I would have deliverance from troubles and that I would have a supply of needs. You know, Paul often said that, didn't he? About some of the needs that he had. And, and you know, I'm, I'm so glad for those who've just over the years and, and over the course of the last couple of months just said, hey, do you need anything? And have just been willing just by God's enabling in their lives to meet a need. I'm thankful for that. But please pray that I'll be delivered from trouble. Pray that I'll have boldness in the face of trouble. You know, I understand that. I've had enough years of experience in the, in the pastorate that troubles do come. And pray that I don't weary in that. But then lastly and really importantly, please pray that I would follow and be submitted to God's will. You know, Paul said it so often, Paul the Apostle by the will of God. I have a calling, but I must continue to be submitted and follow God's will. You know, that's going to be the health of the church. The warning that we read in Titus 1 about being self-willed, that's real. And I've got to be careful. But pray that I would follow and be submitted to God's will. And I know that was quick. But I want to just finish. Um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, it's, it's a great privilege to be called to this office. I don't take it lightly. It's, it's a heavy burden. I want to tell you, it's one filled with great joy in Christ. I, there's joy in it. I, I love what I do. I love the fact that, that God has counted me faithful to do this ministry. And, and, you know, I just want to ask the Lord to help me, though, be a faithful servant. You know, and, and I think as a body, 
the, the Bible says that we're supposed to we're su- supposed to bear one another's burdens. And you know, that's not just a imperative for the pastor, it's an imperative for all of us. And again, can I remind you, I'm just part of the body. You know, uh, I remember that night, the 2nd of June this year. There was a meeting here, and it seemed like my whole life was in that moment going to be decided by someone else. I remember sitting in my office with my wife and a couple of our faithful men at Southland. We were just praying. I remember asking the Lord to just do His will and to lead you, Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And then it seemed like all of the all of the anticipation, I didn't know how to feel. We were just sort of, I think I drank about eight bottles of water. I was that sweaty. And I was just sitting there in, in that office there in Seven Hills, New South Wales. And you were here in Albany Creek, Queensland. And I remember just, I don't know, I, I think I got a text from Danny to say, hey, they're, you know, it's now, they're voting. So we all just begun to pray. And then I got a text that said, you're now the pastor of Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And it changed my life. And I remember just, you know, and I, if you want, I'll show you the video one time. So one of the men had the foresight to just take a video. But my wife and I just broke down and wept. And not because of fear, but of the joy. And it's a joy for us. You know, I, we know it's going to be a journey. I'm not taking it for granted. I know the great responsibility it is to, to journey together as a body that is under Christ. But I want to just say, let's covenant with one another. That as Christ is ahead, we will be the body that's subject to him. And you do your bit if you're willing to allow me to do my bit. And tonight, you know, it's simply that. There's a lot more that we can say about the office of the pastor. And in time, we will. We'll look at that. And, and the hope, though, is that we would then journey together and see God just do something great in our lives. And that's, that's the hope and that's the, the prayer. Next week is Vision Sunday. And I'll, I'll be teaching on um, the deacons and then the membership. So come along, be part of that. And it'll be a good challenge for us as a, as a church next week. I'm looking forward to just seeing what the Lord will do as we, we just focus in on what, what's coming up next for us as a church. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord for this time and thank you lord god that we're able lord to just study your word lord to see plainly lord the the role of the office of the pastor and lord it's a high and holy calling it's not one that i take lightly i lord in reality just tremble before you even tonight but i'm i'm thankful to god for the grace and and lord the enabling that you give and lord i do pray for our church i pray that you'd bless lord i pray i pray that you'd help each one just have a, um, Lord, an understanding of where we're supposed to support one another. And Lord, where we're supposed to just continue on, Lord, to serve you and to see you do some great and marvelous things which we know not. I pray for your blessing upon our church family this week. Lord, whatever we're going through, I pray that you just would be present, that you would be our, our great shepherd, our good shepherd. And I pray that you'd be glorified in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.